Hello, welcome to episode 12 of Unseeded. Um, hello, Fur. Hello, everyone. This week, obviously, we'll talk about Stuttgart, Barcelona. I've got on my notes other stuff. By other stuff, I mean Munich and the Banja Luka Open, I believe, in uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. But first, I thought I'd talk about my, my experience on the tennis court yesterday. I've been a little bit under the weather over the weekend. Tell us about it. Well, if you want the details, on Saturday night I had the runs. You had what? I had the runs. Oh, okay. That's a little too um, much, Yeah. Uh, then I, uh, I sort of, on Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm feeling, I felt like I had a stronger constitution about me. Yeah. Um, and, and that was I, a I, I saw a tennis court was available in the evening, so I booked it for me and a mate. Well, I shouldn't say me and a mate. It's it's our esteemed guest host, uh, Dennis. <laughs> um, and he uh, brought along one of his mates to, to play um, because I played this guy, Mo, in, in the summer and it got to a tie break, which I lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was confident going in if I played him again. I would beat him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, he is the weirdest player in the world. He's got a two handed backhand slice, which I just confuses oh. me. Um, Why do you even do that? I don't know. But the thing is, I realized about three games in to this match, I was still very much under the weather. <laughs> I was still feeling very ill. (laughs) I was from three games in, as soon as we got into a rally, like I was just going like really dizzy. Jesus, why do you keep going? Because I'd started and I didn't want to, I wanted to, I I was like, I don't want to lose. So, (laughs) I mean, if you retire, you're not losing. Somehow, like despite the fact I could not hold my serve because. It was hard to throw the ball up and time it properly when you're dizzy. I managed to drag it to a tie break. <laughs> oh gosh. Um and then lost the tie break, unfortunately. And yeah, had to then leave the court whilst <laughs> Dennis and Mo were playing and go and throw up in the David Lloyd toilets. So oh, um nice. Yeah, that was my latest tennis experience. But, I mean, there is clearly a sort of Nadal-esque sort of warrior in me somewhere. Look what doing that got him (laughs) right now. He's so 22 Grand Slams. No, but, like, I mean, the last game that that he was playing, whatever, like, even his coach was saying, like, retire, like, it's too much. He pushed through, he won. He had to retire from the tournament anyway. And now he hasn't played, like, he's still having issues from that. I was fine, though. I was just feeling a bit sick and a bit dizzy. Are you um, better now? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now. My biggest problem was because of how sort of horrible I was feeling, I couldn't, like, run. Mm. So, yeah. basically, my, my entire tactic was try and hit a winner if I could, but it was hard to hit winners when you can't get your feet into good positions. So it's just, it, was... it wasn't, it just d- doesn't sound enjoyable. No. So it sounded my... like you were just playing to play. My tactic was just slice it and try and make it so low that the, you... this person's <laughs> unconventional tactics sort of worked against him. Were you having fun? Uh, no, actually. In <laughs> hindsight, I really wasn't enjoying myself during the set. It was... It, okay. Yeah. And, and bearing in mind, whilst they were playing their set after I finished mine, I was, like, lying on the floor next to the tennis court. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> what a so, day. Yeah. What a day for tennis. <laughs> yeah, it it wasn't a special performance for me. Actually, no, I think it was a special performance because when you're feeling that ill to drag it to a tie break. Yeah, to be fair, maybe he felt bad for you. <laughs> Did you look ill? I, I mean, to be fair, I, I was 30, 40 down on my serve and I just sort of collapsed and then like sat down for a little bit. Hmm. I think from that point, it was probably pretty apparent that I wasn't quite in the sort of right yeah. <laughs> physical space. 
gosh, that's yeah. appalling. Anyway, yes, yeah, so let's talk about actual good, high-quality tennis as opposed to my disaster. Amateur. Um, I still, <laughs> still, <laughs> no pun intended. I, mean, <laughs> I still think... <laughs> I think that's the first time you've swore on this podcast. <laughs> Every time I've had to put an explicit content warning, it's been because of me. Um, <laughs> um, so let's talk about proper tennis. Stuttgart, let's start with that. I thought we'd just go semi-finals and then finals of these tournaments, or unless there's other matches you want to talk about. But I mean, admittedly, I know that there was a good match between Sabalenka and Bedosa on Friday. Mm. But I was up at Finsbury Park for watching the Arsenal match. So <laughs> um, I was at the Emirates. Like I had uh, my parents away, got their season ticket. That was a very <laughs> dramatic match. I could talk about that. Um, no, let's not. Oh, God. <laughs> um, we're not here for that. Thanks. Conceding two early goals. But then at least we're not Spurs conceding five early goals. Um <laughs> That means nothing to me. Oh, just Spurs are shit, so that's... Okay. Yeah, is that's it? we'll just go with that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tottenham get bad everywhere they go. That's that's the whole thing. So, yes, the semi-finals. So, Sviontek defeated Jabir three games to love. Obviously, an early retirement from Jabir, yeah, which is disappointing. Shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was still very much expecting Sviontek to win because it's clay. But yeah, obviously very disappointing. Um yeah. I don't think anyone in the tennis world or any tennis fan dislikes Onshapa. I don't think it's possible to dislike her. She's just so nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's ever said anything like that could be taken in a negative way. No, no. I think it's 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 interesting because I think it's clear that she does back herself to win things. Hmm. But it's never like in a sort of cocky manner. No, no, she seems so like humble and but like very like cheerful. I don't know, it's weird because he. I mean, to think like she hasn't had like the support that so many other yeah. players have had, it's just crazy that she's here. But also, like I think, um, an eager on match. Really, it's always a thrill, you know. Yeah, so, and I mean. As well, yeah. her style of play is so much fun. Who doesn't love a drop shot? I mean, Alcaraz certainly loves them. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously that, that semi-final was disappointing. Um, then there was Sabalenka defeating Potapova 6-1, 6-2. Uh, admittedly, I didn't watch this one. I mean, the match finished in under an hour. Um it's the first time that these two met, but I mean, so I I did I did watch the highlights to try and get a, a thing, and I know obviously uh, Sabalenka and Potapova are just massive strikers of the ball. Um, they hit hard, flat, and fast. But I just something I one I've just struggled with this Porsche event, this Stuttgart event because one it is so naff with all these bloody Porsches and talking about, like, it, it seems like every player is under obligation to talk about how great Porsche cars are. You'd think they, like, give one or two to each of them, right? Well, only the winner gets one. Um, I mean, everyone should get one. Yeah. Um, but then also, there's no... It's. I do think there's a problem on the WTA side, which is there aren't enough clay court tournaments because mm. whereas this week you had two 250s and a 500 for the men there was only one 500 for the women and yeah. almost the issue you've got there is this main draw of the 500 event was like 32 so and most of that is filled with like the top 30 players or something and also because it's indoor which is weird because then it sort of it seems like a fast clay court which is not what a clay court is i just don't see how it helps with the build-up to the french open which is the climax of the clay court swing yeah i think the wta it's 
a bit of like a an afterthought in tennis sometimes mm-hmm. you know like they have like all of these big tournaments i mean bar the grand slams they're mainly thought for men you know they're yeah. mainly thought for the atp and the wta is like oh i mean sure why not we'll throw a bit there but it's not like you know you you can tell they're not the main attraction of of tennis like the associations are not thinking about them i mean you can even see with like the trophies at wimbledon and stuff not not even real trophies just salad plates and them being paid less for like even grand slams until like not long ago so yeah i mean i get the frustration but i mean yeah i guess they they still have to kind of fight for the quality you know in the sport which they have been doing for so long i think i think the issue is as well on on the wta side it's it's also just that that rome is probably like the only tournament that can give a real insight into players forms going into the the french because madrid has played at altitude stuttgart is played indoors and you've got charleston which is the other 500 which is played on green clay which is a completely different type of clay so the only indicator is rome and there's quite a few players that won't really want to play that because it's so close to the french open yeah but also Uh, i wonder if like maybe because we know players like players from the wta they're not very consistent you know so like you would have someone like i don't know just for to use an example raducanu who won us open she has a grand slam and then after that nothing you know so I I do wonder like maybe that's one of the reasons why they don't have that many tournaments because you don't, you never know who's going to be like you don't you don't you just don't have enough high level players to fill yeah. that many tournaments. No but there there is a lot of depth on on the WTA tour arguably potentially more so than the the men's tour because if you think about the amount of there must be more grand, active Grand Slam winners on the WTA tour. And... I don't know. I that... mean, only only because they don't hoard all of the... They don't have players that hoard, like, 20 Grand Slams, you know? So yeah. each of them has, like, three or four or one. But just just because of that, because it's... If there's something like, that's not if, predictable, if, if, if it's going to win. If we're doing this proper hashtag tennis united thing beyond an app and some hashtag content surely like there should be more of an effort like i don't know you look at somewhere like esteril which holds a very good atp 250 event what's stopping i don't know the wta hosting a 250 event if they can at this place the next week or something Outside of the players that get into Stuttgart, there's loads of other fantastic players that will shoot. And and maybe like on the ATP side, like even though Barcelona was the, the sort of had the most points available, you still had Holger Rune playing in Munich. You still had Djokovic and Rublev choosing to play in Bosnia. Yeah. So if there was just another one on offer, people might choose to play there. And people might choose to play there because they don't have to just talk about how great Porsches are <laughs> the entire time. And they actually get to play outdoor clay, which is what the French Open is. I mean, yeah. I've got to say, the, the, the Porsche clay courts look absolutely lovely to play on. They're like the most pristine looking clay <laughs> courts I think there are other than Roland Garros Roland Garros but it's naff yeah I just well two things one I think if if you know women want this to happen they have to fight for it I mean sadly that's just they're gonna have to like keep you know pushing for like more tournaments and more things mm-hmm. but also like I'm thinking maybe one of the reasons is because 
people are just not interested. Like if you're if you're a woman outside of the top thirty, people just wouldn't buy a ticket to see you. Maybe yeah. like if you if you think about the the ATP and like you can look at the top fifty, and you would know more than half of them. You know, you could you probably know someone who's like forty eight. But if you look at the WTA top fifty, I mean maybe not so much. And even if you know them, they're just so up and down that you you don't know what to expect. So I I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, one obviously sexism, they're not taken into consideration. But also, I mean, it's a business after all. So yeah, if it's not uh, rentable to do it they're just not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is like tennis must be the best and most established women's sport out there as a brand. Yeah, I don't know if the best, but probably one of the most established, yeah. Further from what you're saying, I, I think it is a bit of a sad reality in that my experience of going to both Wimbledon and Roland Garros last year, obviously I'm going back to Roland Garros this year, so I'll see if it's if I have the same experience, but whereas me and Dennis were in the stands basically for all the matches we could see, because obviously you just get, I don't know, a ticket for court Suzanne Longlen for the day. Yeah. We would watch at least bits of every match. Obviously we did need to go and get some food at some point. Um, but you could really tell the difference in crowd sizes between the men's and the women's, and it is a shame. Like it was, it, like I understand that the the biggest crowd and the most lively crowd were on was when we were on Longren, and it was for Hugo Gaston, mm. a Frenchman. Yeah. We were at Roland Garros, obviously that's going to be crazy. It's like when we were at Wimbledon, we were on number one court. We had Cam Norrie that day. That was the biggest crowd, the British number one. But then. On Longland, we had Iga Sviontek. It's frustrating. But then this whole thing about, as I was saying, hashtag Tennis United, surely it's part of, if, if this Tennis United thing is real, then surely part of it should be some of the men, the ATP, helping push. And because the growth of the sport is on, on both sides of the tour is only going to benefit both sides of the tour. If if the profile of women's tennis grows, naturally men's tennis is going to grow because the sport is identical. I think when you go watch tennis, you go for the quality. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's two, three, four, seven sets. I mean, it's it's about who you're watching. And you're not going to compare, you know, watching Serena Williams in her time than watching like i don't know i'm really interested to see which which eight <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, i'm trying to be very careful here <laughs> uh la fognini you know okay like, he's good but he's not amazing you know and he's not gonna throw the crowds that serena will obviously this is not the typical example because as we said usually the ATP is given way more. I think, like, at the end of the day, as in every other sport, except for like very small, you know, exceptions, it's still seen as tennis and women's tennis. You know, mm. it's not it's not seen as men's tennis, women's tennis. It's like tennis, and this is the main focus. And also, the women are playing. I mean, if you have extra time, which is. Yeah, which is sad because I mean they deserve so much better. But this is like a, a arguably as well. If you, if if you're there to watch tennis, often I found WTA matches are more interesting because it's you get less of the sort of just big serving and really quick points. Yeah, like there is very rarely do you get a sort of John Isner type. Yeah, on like the WTA. someone who serves. Yeah, that yeah. is true. But I, I don't know. I, I guess people just don't see it that way. And the the way the organizations make things happen is not helping change that, you know? Yeah. 
So I mean, this no, it, it, we can talk I, I about think, this all day. <laughs> I think I think Tennis United is there more for hashtag content than it is for actual yeah. things it's just that marketing. Matter. Yeah. Let's go back to Stuttgart because we need to talk about the final. <laughs> um, yeah, we still need to think, talk about lots of finals. Yeah, so uh, Siontek defeated Sabalenka at 6-3, 6-4. I mean, it was a solid performance from Siontek. Up until 3 all in the first set, it looked like it was going to be an epic. <laughs> oh. um, like It looked like it was going to be really, really good. But then, obviously, when it's 3 all Siontek held serve, broken in, held serve to see it out. Then uh, she won the second set 6-4 with the early break. Um, and from there, just went on and won it. Um, in the entire match, she only faced one break point. But yeah, it's now two years in a row she's won a Porsche, which I'm sure makes up for the about $370,000 uh, disparity in prize money between Barcelona and Stuttgart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's so, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Porsche was worth that much. But when Sviantec won this Porsche, though, uh, she did nearly run over loads and loads of children. Oh, my God. Nearly is probably giving it, like, making it sound too <laughs> harsh. But the, uh, she had to drive this Porsche out onto court. And oh. Wait, it, what? It did, it did seem like she was driving too fast. <laughs> I mean, why would you make someone drive a Porsche to the court? That doesn't I don't sound... know, but they did have to play a doubles match on that court afterwards, and it's a clay court, oh. so that must have taken a lot of work, considering she was just driving around the court in a Porsche, narrowly avoiding children. Yeah, that's just... I mean, don't, don't make her do that. That's so unfair. Like, you have to earn the Porsche by, like, you know, parading it around. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. I think there was a moment where Sabalenka, like, uh, without Sviantec seeing, sort of mimicked throwing her trophy at the Porsche, which would have been quite funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a quite spicy moment in this uh, match. Sviantec hit a short high ball and Sabalenka came forward to hit the smash. Uh, and in this moment, uh, Sviantec thought it wise to charge down the net, like directly in front of where Sabalenka was. So Sabalenka then hits the smash basically down at Sviantec. Yeah. Um, narrowly missing her. Sort of Sviantec moves out the way at the end, <laughs> but still tries to hold her racket just in case. I mean, the only other person I've seen do that is Gail Monfils. But you expect Gail Monfils to do that. Yeah. You know that, you know why he's doing it. That, why was that, why was Iga doing it? I've no idea. It was bizarre. Like I I think I think I've seen a few criticisms saying, oh, it's Sabalenka like being a bit like aiming it towards Suyonte. And I'm like, yeah. no, this is on Suyonte. She she ran into it. Yeah. Why would you do that? Um, was she trying to like make her I don't miss? know, it could have been like a distraction. Tactic. Yeah. Um, but I mean, after the point, Sabalenka raised her hand to apologize and then sort of, but didn't, didn't actually turn to acknowledge it, like sort of put her hand behind her back. <laughs> I don't think she was too pleased. Uh, yeah, um, no, yeah, I get it. It does sound like a mental game. That was Stuttgart. Um, obviously she won a lovely Porsche, um, Always and nice to told everyone how lovely the Porsche was. I think she gave the Porsche to her dad. Um, oh. Oh, Which nice, is though. probably wise because she's already got a Porsche from last year, and yeah, I would have kept the new one and gave my dad the old one. <laughs> is that horrible? Uh, so Barcelona, the semi-finals, Alcaraz defeated Evans six two six two. I mean, Alcaraz is just a much better clay court player than uh, Dan Evans. And better tennis player, to be honest. Like, no offence. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, no, I mean, no offence, Dan Evans, but who is at the level of Alcaraz right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, I know. I, I will credit Dan Evans, though. It was a very good run to the semi-finals from him. Um, he hasn't, up until this point, he hasn't had the most stellar year. Um, yeah, but he's not... So he, he's not Clay Cordish. No, it? but in this tournament, he got wins over Karen Hatchinov and uh, Karundalo. 
I, ju- I mean, Evans nearly actually sort of mustered a bit of a comeback in the uh, the because uh, Alcaraz had gone like four love up or something, and then Evans won the next two games, and he was was it thirty love or love thirty up or something. But then he just played a bit of a silly point, and then <laughs> lost it from there. And it's a shame because he sort of nearly mustered a comeback, and I was yeah. I was like, oh come on, Dan. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was a good run from Dan Evans. Just Alcaraz is a very good tennis player. And then in the other semi-final was Stefano Sitsipas defeating Lorenzo Massetti, uh, 6-4, 5-7, 6-3. This could have probably finished earlier if it were not for the um, uh, umpire being a fool. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so basically, Sitsipas was approaching the net. Massetti hit it quite hard, but Sitsipas got his racket to it. It was... He framed it, essentially. Hmm. He framed it so he sort of did an accidental, fantastic drop shot. Looking at the replays, it looked fine. It came close to hitting his arm, but I don't think it did. And it was it was all in one movement, the racket. So it was fine on that front. And also, the way Sitsipas was standing meant that the umpire couldn't see what had happened, but the umpire still said that it was a double touch. I mean, fair enough from Sitzpass. He had his, like, word with the umpire, basically saying, you got this wrong, but then just got on with it, obviously went on to lose the set, Um, because it was quite a crucial point, because if he'd won that point, it would have put him in a really good position to go on and just take the match. But yeah, no, as I said, it was really impressive from Sitzpass, because then he, he sort of rallied himself together. And just moved on, and then he took a four-love lead in the uh, third set. So, um, so it all worked out. It all worked out in the end. For Until it Sitzpass. didn't. Until the final, where he met Carlos Alcaraz, and he got defeated six three six four. That is the first time that Carlos Alcaraz has successfully defended a title, hmm. which, in a way, kind of seems surprising because it's Carlos Alcaraz. But then you remember that he's nineteen. Yeah, um, does he have many titles to defend? He's got nine now. Oh, but I mean, yeah. How, I suppose which he won the most won of last them last year. year, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, how, how, um, many, how many tournaments has he played twice I know, but I, that yeah. he could defend the title? I've just got in my notes here, Alcaraz is a big game player. I don't know why I felt the need to write that down, because I think that's pretty obvious. A big game player? Yeah, you know, he just he just turns up when it matters. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, no. Wait. First, first thing I, I want to say is, what was up with the umpire's Spanish? I wasn't listening to the umpire's Spanish. I couldn't listen to anything else. Well, bearing in mind I can't understand Spanish, it didn't bother True, me at all. But I mean, they're in Barcelona. Okay. Right. The guy couldn't speak Spanish. Like, did he lie on his CV and just had like a quick Duolingo lesson before the match? Like he kept mispronouncing, and they're all numbers. It it was really distracting. How, how should, I how I should he have sounded? Well, he he kept saying cuarenta, and it's cuarenta. Okay. okay. And then he kept saying quinza, and it's quince. Okay. That doesn't even sound similar. I get the first one because that's the Italian version. I don't know if this guy speaks Italian, but like, yeah, I got a weird accent, and I was like, no, like, this is just weird. This playing with my mind. Probably playing with Alcaraz's mind because he could understand or not. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, d- I didn't notice that at all, but that's, that's that my too... lack of being able yeah. to speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I suppose no, no one had to suffer. I mean, not many, but most of the public, really, they probably were. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean I'm trying to do Duolingo lessons in Spanish, but I haven't done a single one for months, so it's not going well. Um, do the numbers and you'll understand. Okay, do the numbers. I should really try and do some French before I go to Paris. But yeah, true. Um, so yeah, I mean, he did get broken in the third game of the match. I'm sure this third game he got broken because he just kept hearing this dodgy Spanish and was like, "Yeah, he was probably yeah, like, no. you're you're mispronouncing it, dude." I, I would have had a, a a word with the umpire. Okay, <laughs> just a quick word, you know, just a note, like write it down. Yeah, I know, I know that we often you well you often like to mention the outfits of uh, tennis players. Yeah, I've got to admit I did quite like uh, Alcaraz. It was it was like, it was quite a wavy. Yeah, car. quite funky. Yeah, it was quite fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I kind of liked um, it. 
old school. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just a very good performance from Alcaraz. I've got some statistics. Um, so, Alcaraz won 81% of points behind his first serve, which is quite good. Alcaraz is now 365 points behind Djokovic for number one. Um, and, but yeah, they're the only stats that I have, so I haven't got too much research into this. Um, but yeah, no, there were some really good rallies in this match. Um, given that both yeah. were quite comfortable at the net, but also Alcaraz's drop shot was chef's kiss. He was obsessed with the drop shots, like just obsession. Like he kept, I don't know how many he did, but he did so many. I mean, I've started in the whole to tournament. To be fair, not just I've started that. to understand your frustration with drop shots because Dennis now plays them all the time. Oh, that's good. Um, but. No, I still love watching a good drop shot. Um, I like watching them, but like it's so frustrating to, especially when they're. I mean, to be fair, at some point, I Titipas, like you could see Alcaraz was like doing drop shot, drop shot, drop shot. Titipas kept like staying very far from the mm. from the net. You know, like yeah. he was very, she's very. Um, yeah, just very far. I was like, well, you know what he's going to do? You might as well just try to... And he did come up to the net at some... Like, like sometimes. But it was just weird seeing him so far. Like, we, we all know what Alcaraz is doing. Except for him. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. No, I've got to admit, though, it is really hard to read Alcaraz's drop shot, though, because he changes the grip so last minute. Hmm. Um, but he he kept doing that. Like you knew they were coming. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Some but it's, the the reason why Alcaraz's drop shot is so effective is because his like ground strokes are so powerful. They push you really far back. Yeah. And then he just true. goes, whoosh, and then just puts in a little drop shot. Yeah, I guess he just has he just had to be like you know like like they teach you in like. <laughs> When you are playing, you you play the point and you go back to your to your middle, you know, yeah. neutral point. Play the point, go back. Don't play the point and stay there. Yeah, you know, but just no. Yeah, uh... I mean, and do you like statistics? This was Titipas' ten straight. Um, oh yeah, it's his tenth. Yeah, he's it's his tenth uh, ATP five hundred final loss. Uh, he's never won a single one, uh, which a is a bizarre statistic, isn't it? I couldn't believe it when I when I heard that. I was like, that can't be true, and yeah. it is. It's so bizarre. It doesn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like it is. Yeah. Um, so the other finals that happened, we have the Munich final, which is an ATP 250. Holger Rune defeated Bertik van der Zanschulp, 6-4-1-6-7-6-3. Rune defended the title from last year, and he saved four championship points. You watched that one, didn't you? Yeah, so Rune was having like issues with his um, shoulder. <laughs> Weird match, because I don't even, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I think I'm close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bertik van der Zanschulp. I'm going to call him Van. Van. Okay. So... Van der Zanschulp. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's it's hard for me. Just like you can roll your R's, I can do that with my mouth. Yeah, so, like, Bruno started having, like, issues with his shoulder in the second set. He was, like, visibly uncomfortable you know like he kept doing like movements and like he could like his forehand he could barely like do anything with it and he he lost the the second set um six one or one six and i think at the start of the third one van had so many opportunities he was up he had four championship points he was yeah. up um, five two, and then and he had two um, championship points, and then he was up again, and Would it... okay. So, question: Do you think this was a Holgeruna comeback or a Van der Sandschulp choke? I think it was a choke. I feel okay. so bad, but I mean, obviously Holgeruna, like he had like medical attention and stuff, and he started playing better, but 
I just don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of both, maybe, because I do. I do think, obviously, Van. Um, he's not a very experienced. Him, he's not a very experienced player. You know, this was his first final. Um, he, you can tell he was. He's obviously very good, but you know the nerves and like just being with like a big crowd. Obviously, playing against someone who's you know, up and coming and, you know, it's like a top player. It's intimidating. I do think like he could have done it if he was like maybe a little bit more calm and maybe if he had like a bit of more experience. I really, I was really rooting for him. Like I really wanted him to get it. But yeah, I mean, in the end, I I, I think it was too much for him. Um, he didn't focus on the things he should have focused. Because, like if you see Rune struggling with his forehand, you just, hit it to his forehand forehand. yeah Yeah. and he wasn't doing that and i mean obviously for us it's so easy to just watch and say like do this but um in that moment in that atmosphere it's just it's just too much so yeah i didn't want Bruno to win but um i mean good he he played really well in the end like he even obviously even through like the pain and stuff he he was really good so he did deserve it but yeah, a bit disappointing for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't see that one, but I just saw that obviously the news that uh, Bertek van der Sandschulp had uh, <laughs> four championship points and did not. Oh, that. yeah, that was um, really sad. The, the other one in Banja Luka in Bosnia Herzegovina, uh, Lejevic defeats Rublev 6 3 4 6 6 3. So that means Rublev is the only unsuccessful title defender this week because this was effectively the same tournament oh. as the Serbia Open that was held in Belgrade last year. So, yeah, Rublev is the only one this week that hasn't defended their oh, title. That's sad. <laughs> Um, but I mean, he did get Monte Carlo the weeks before, so like swings and roundabouts. Yeah, um, he probably doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Should we look ahead to Madrid, um, which effectively starts tomorrow with the main draw, I think, on the WTA side? Yeah. Um, so let's start with the WTA side. So I thought I'd start with Emma Raducanu, Love. mostly because she's got a qualifier in the first round but yet to find out who that is but you'd think that's a favorable draw but then the winner <laughs> of that match uh plays Igor Fiontech. oh god yes so um i mean Radicanu needs to at least win round one because if she loses round one there's a very good chance that she is outside the top 100 oh. for the first time and that means she's not US qualifying Open. for wimbledon it means, I mean, let's face it. If she's outside the top 100, she will get given a wild card. A wild yeah. card yeah. But it's not good if she's needing a wild card to get into Wimbledon, really, is it? Oh, she really needs one of these tournaments to go on a run. So she is in round two, I'm afraid, is going to have to pull out the performance of her life. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, the more you lose, the harder the matches are going to get. You know, because like, obviously, she keeps losing among, I mean, with everyone she's played. Um, But then the harder the opponents you're going to get, because you keep dropping. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, she's in an impossible situation right now, because she cannot beat anyone. I mean, let alone Iga. I think just getting to round two will keep her within the top 100, but then she's going to have to play Rome. Yeah, but try even and get if something she there. is, yeah, she's going to have to have like a she's gonna very lucky draw. She's going to try and get something from Roland Garros, and she's going to need to pack out the grass court schedule. Like she is going to need to play every week on grass, which unfortunately doesn't ever seem like something she's willing to do, to do the week in, week out. But unfortunately, when you're floating around that area of the the rankings, you do need to play, be playing week in, week out because 50 points can can bump you up at least, at least five places. I mean, is she in the physical state to do that though? I don't know. 
but yeah anyway so i don't i did just download the pdfs of these draws and and look through all of them one thing i noticed is marta kostyuk is seeded and that just seems to have come from somewhere i i oh. i know she obviously won a, a title earlier this year but like, I'm, i wasn't expecting her to be seeded um so that's all your ta for you <laughs> yep um so yeah she's seeded good for her um i think she's also just got engaged Oh, so nice. congratulations there. Um, <laughs> potential round two, though, I saw on this draw is Sakari against Anisimova. Hmm. So that'd okay. be quite fun. I've also put here that Kasakina is the number eight seed, which I continually find amazing how Kasakina is like a top seed because I can't remember the last time she went on a deep run at a tournament like where is she getting these points from I don't think um, I know Kasakina and then I just also I realized a potential round three and I'm very much here for this if it happens is Krachikova versus Bianca Andrescu because apparently Bianca Andrescu is back from injury oh, that's good and news. she's in the main draw and seeded so yeah that is a pleasant surprise because a very very pleasant surprise because I was I was not at all here for having to endure through another uh, long period without Bianca Andreescu playing tennis. I know, because she is a very excitable tennis player to watch. Yeah, she's one. I think she is one of the most entertaining to watch at the moment when she's playing well. She's really good. Anjabur is also in the tournament. No, she's not. Oh, I can see. She that. withdrew yeah. earlier. Um, uh, yeah, she yeah. I was like, today. "That's a bit weird." <laughs> yeah, no, she withdrew earlier today. So, talking of withdrawals, I think it's time to talk about the ATP side of the draw because uh, quite a few have withdrawn. So, Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, Yannick Sinner, Matteo Berrettini, Jack Draper, Marin Cilic, Brandon Achtema, and many, many more. Who's left? <laughs> On the withdrawal list, I did see Nick Kyrgios, but I mean, was he ever going to play on clay? Probably yeah, not. He's, he hasn't played in a while, has he? What, what, what's the last tournament he played in? Uh, well, he's, I'm not sure if he's played all year because he didn't play Australia, did he? Um, I don't think he did. No. Um, but is he, he playing Wimbledon? Like, is he playing grass? About that, but he just doesn't play. He's. I can't remember the last time he played on clay. He just doesn't because no. Um, but yeah, so other notable things, Andy Murray will get to face a qualifier or a lucky loser in the first round, but then has to then go and play Daniel Medvedev. Um, so not a, it's not been a good, it, it's sort of initially very good for the Brits. Yeah. <laughs> but then instantly takes a dramatic turn for the worse. Um, the worst it can get as well. Yeah. As you know, it could get worse for Andy Murray. He could be playing the number one seed. He could have uh, Carlos Alcaraz yeah, I in mean... the second round. Um, talking of Alcaraz, he has to play the winner of Humber against Rusevori. Now, I think that'll be a little bit challenging if it's Rusevori. He's very good, but still. Can Carlos anyone Alcaraz challenge Alcaraz win. right now? Uh, probably not. There is a potential semi final between. Um, Alcaraz and Holger Rune, which I think we would all like to see. Yeah. And the only round one match that I thought, oh, that could be really fun, is uh, Stan Wawrinka against Maxime Cressy, because it's Stan, and uh, Maxime Cressy is a proper serve and volleyer, which is really fun to watch. Um, <laughs> For you. So, I mean, who doesn't like the serve and volley? But yeah, that's that's... That's what I've picked out from the the Madrid draw. Have you got any thoughts on Madrid? Any predictions, given we had to do our more ridiculous predictions last week? I don't know if I have any predictions for Madrid. Um, Do you? I'll think about mine. I'm going to say that Carlos Alcaraz wins the ATP side and then, like last year, doesn't play Rome. And then on the WTA side, the problem is, is that Iga Sviontek is in the draw. And I think she is, she's a bit like, are you, you going to, I don't think you can beat her on clay. Hmm. I don't think even Rabatkina can beat her on clay. So you're going with 
eager. I'm just. I'm. I'm being very boring. I'm going for the two number one seeds. Yeah, that is a bit boring. As much as I would love, like Paula Badosa to win Madrid because she's from Madrid. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna dream. I'm There's gonna no say Paula Badosa. Okay. And. Andy Felix Murray. Oger Aliassim. Felix Oger Aliassim. <laughs> He's good in clay. What the hard drugs are they dishing out in Exeter? <laughs> I'm going to dream. I'm a dreamer. Okay. You're a dreamer and you've dreamt of Paola Badossa and Felix Oger Aliassim. Yeah, that would be nice to mix it up. Yeah. I mean, Alcaraz cannot win everything. No, because he's not fit enough to play everything. But um, <laughs> yeah, when he is... I think I think he should rest for Roland Garros because because here's my prediction for Roland Garros. So yeah, no, we'll do, no, but that that's the thing. I, last week we said let's do like hot takes, sort of wild predictions, and then you go for Carlos Alcaraz, which I think will be most people's favorite for Roland Garros. Yeah, probably is. I mean. <sighs> So Nadal is probably playing, but I don't think he's the favourite anymore. I think, yeah. I think the only way we can determine whether Nadal is the favourite is after the first round of Roland Garros. But there's a chance he's not even there. Cause when... He's definitely playing. I mean, if he's withdrawing from everything, unless he's like really, really injured, like he feels like shit, he's playing. Because, you know, that's, that's the only Grand Slam he's going to win ever again. Yeah. So, I mean, that's his only chance. Because I just see Alcaraz being pretty much everyone's sort of preferred. I mean, he was everyone's preferred pick last year. Like, yeah. a lot of people predicted Alcaraz to win. I mean, I just can't see on clay at the moment and with players' form at the moment how, for the clay court tournaments, if they enter, Alcaraz and Sviantec aren't the favourites. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't put enough. them as favourites on grass so as soon as we get to Wimbledon it'll change yeah on clay yeah we're the best two players in the world by a long margin well Nadal is the best clay court player in the world by a long margin it's just he's not fit it's the active yeah I wonder when he'll retire he probably wants to retire in this Roland Garros God, I, I'm never ever gonna say that because, like, every year I think it's like, it's like, how many years did everyone say that Federer was probably gonna retire at this Wimbledon? And like, yeah, that's true. I mean, and... I do think he should have in Wimbledon. Like, that was just such a fairy tale. Are you are you still dreaming of like a magical comeback? Uh... Yeah, I actually am. Is that yeah. pathetic? I yeah, I do sometimes it's, think it's like, not gonna happen. Imagine like he comes back and he's like. Like he was, you know. One more time. <laughs> I said one last time, not one more time. One last time. <laughs> Please, Roger, do this for us. Come through. <laughs> Never did I think that I would sing on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut that. <laughs> I got the lyrics wrong the first time. <laughs> okay, it's about enthusiasm. Um... Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the French Open. I can't wait to be out there. It's going to be so nice. <laughs> out there? You need... are, you, are you playing? <laughs> no, but I'm in bloody Paris for the whole first week. <laughs> I know. You, you said, like, I can't wait to be out there. Like, you're going to be in Yeah, no, I've actually been given a wild card entry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you need to come out to Roland Garros one year. I will. I'll, I'll come next year. Next year, okay. I promise. That will be when we year. have press passes because we'll be the exactly. biggest tennis podcast out there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's still unlikely. <laughs> I'll come uh, whether we have press passes or not. Let's wrap up. So, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Unseated. I feel like today was a little bit unstructured. We went off on tangents. Yeah, we didn't talk about other things, but I mean, that's how conversations and, go. And, and we did go on a rant between talking about the Stuttgart semi final and the Stuttgart final. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's going to definitely be very disjointed. That's not a smooth part of the episode. But yes, no, thank you very much for listening. Remember, we do have a Twitter account at Unseeded Pod, which none yes. of you have followed us on. Uh, there is an email <laughs> address there. 
Which, well, because I look on... Do we I, not have were, any followers? Maybe someone... 10 or something. Well, maybe um, someone someone who listens is following. Yeah, maybe. Um, on, on our Twitter account, we have an email address, and I've actually downloaded the Gmail app now, and I've just put that email address on the Gmail app, so I get notifications for that email. So you can now email us, and I will see it. But also, most importantly... Subscribe to us on the podcast platform you are currently using and rate us um, positively. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rate us if it's a bad review no, because we've mean. only got two ratings on Apple so far and I don't know if we have any ratings on Spotify. But yeah, so thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week to give you some out-of-date tennis news because Madrid is another one of these weird tournaments that is like a week and a half long. Hmm. Um, so yeah we'll be back next week for a very rapidly out of date episode then a week after we will round up Madrid and look ahead to Rome (laughs) sounds like it but I'm sure you all know what the tennis calendar is so we should be hardly throwing (laughs) in any surprises Um, yeah but I've just realised something that we do need to have a discussion about at some point because we were talking about obviously men's and women's tennis earlier Um, yeah I think a good topic of conversation is um, about five-set tennis. Because obviously the men play it, should the women, should the men not play it. There is a conversation well, to be had there. We did we did comment a little bit on that. But yeah, it is yeah, no, but a larger the, the topic. Is, there is a large topic and we're going to get to the middle of the summer and we're going to need to find some absolute filler. Um, Are you... After Wimbledon and before the US swing starts. So we're going to need like filler episodes that are just... Did you just finish the episode? Are you leaving this in? I'm leaving that in, yeah. Oh, I don't think anyone cares about what we're like doing after. This sounds like planning to me. I thought you were just done. (laughs) But yeah... um... That, it's that already you... going to be a very long episode. Don't leave all of that in. Oh, we're, we're an hour and 10 minutes in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. It's been a delight. Um, we will see you next week. Um, goodbye. Bye. Adios. Amigos. <laughs> oh, shit. I nearly pressed the wrong button. <laughs>